You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. Today, I want to talk about another part of the GIC invitation, inviting you to use your minutes and hours and days to serve Jesus. Before I do that, I want to say two things. First, do you hear the beep? Do you hear the beep? Yeah. And there's nothing we can do about it because it belongs to it's, uh, the alarm company. The beep is back there. And the alarm company that resets it when it does this every once in a while, they don't work on Sundays. And so here's what I want to ask you to do. When you hear the beep, I want you to say amen. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Because I figure that is the best thing we can do this morning rather than being irritated the whole time by the beep, which was killing me at the first service, I will tell you. I would so much, you could do that just for me. Just say amen, Sister Carolyn. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is um, uh, that we're going to talk today about the, uh, the, another part of that faith commitment card that you'll have a chance to respond to this weekend and, and our next weekend. And it's the life commitment part, how you give your minutes and hours and days uh, to serve the cause of Christ. And to get there, I want to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? During the story, you don't actually have to say amen, okay, because it doesn't lend itself to that. But after the story, you are unleashed, my friends. The story I want to tell you is about old Mother Hubbard. Do you remember her? Old Mother Hubbard went to the cupboard to fetch her poor doggy a bone. And when she got there, the cupboard was bare. And so her poor doggy had none. And when the neighbors heard about that, they were furious. And rightly so. And they discussed it among themselves. Some, who had never liked the old lady much, said, it's her own fault. If she had worked more and played less, this would never have happened. Or they said, you know, I find it hard enough feeding my own without worrying about hers. A few folks got angry. That bone was stolen, they said. Imagine taking a bone from a helpless old woman and her dog. And they blamed some of the well-fed dogs down the street. And they started a petition to change the laws for how animals were treated. And then they demanded that the bone be returned to the cupboard where it belonged. Other people got angry, but not at each other. They got angry at God. They blamed God. And for the record, I need you to know, Mother Hubbard did not blame God. Neither did her dog, as far as we know. But these people felt God should have done something about it and implied they would have if they had been God. Many people wondered, what could they do for Mother Hubbard? So they sent someone to take photographs of her dog and the empty cupboard. They told Mother Hubbard that they cared, and they promised to alert the authorities. And for the record, she was glad to know somebody cared. And for the record, so was her dog, as far as anybody can tell. The media got hold of the story, and, and although it didn't really matter to either of them now, Mother Hubbard and her dog were both very famous in a hungry kind of way. The government got in on the act. 
Reports were filed, a charitable organization was set up, and a special Mother Hubbard's dog appeal was launched. There were buttons and t-shirts and posters, the whole bit. Door-to-door collectors collected door-to-door, and politicians would later say that the whole social conscience was elevated. Most who saw what had happened or heard the story were moved. They deeply regretted what had happened to Mother Hubbard and her dog. But frankly, what could they do? I mean, there were probably always going to be hungry dogs. Always. Some dog somewhere was always going hungry, and a lot of these sincere folk figured they were only just getting by themselves. What with inflation and the price of gas and computers and, and phones, all that. So churches prayed. Generous people gave. The final count was made and the proceeds were delivered to Mother Hubbard's cupboard, but it was too late. Sad to say, just the night before, the dog died. When children asked about it, as children have a habit of doing, they said, why didn't somebody just give the dog a bone? And their parents said, oh, that's much more complicated than that. You'll understand when you grow up. And the children did grow up, and they, watching their parents, learned how to scroll past the hard stories and to change the channels and to do that again and again and again and to forget about it all before supper. They found they had to because, you see, the the number of hungry dogs and the number of empty cupboards was growing every day, and it was so complicated. And the moral of the story is that sometimes we can make something simple seem so complicated. Sometimes our idealistic perfectionism or even our inaccurate feelings of inadequacy can do even more harm than good when it turns out that serving is actually just us doing the things we know how to do. The call of God is to use what I actually have, not not what I wish I had or the resources I wish I had, but, but what I actually have in my skin, in my possession, in the service of God's kingdom with the assurance that the best I can do is always going to be enough for Jesus. Why can't we just give the dog a bone? Is that even okay to just... Do the thing that's in front of me to enjoy the serving. I need somebody to say amen. Amen. To enjoy the serving without making it so complicated. So that's the heart behind the Global Impact Celebration. It's an invitation into the simple act of giving what we have been given so that joy and purpose are exposed. Today, I want to talk about the gifts and call part of that invitation. So look with me at Acts chapter 12. We're actually going to go to the very last verse, Acts chapter 12, beginning with verse 25. And um, and we're going to to talk about Paul, the story of how Paul, arguably the most faithful and fruitful follower of Jesus in the first century, how Paul came into his call. And I want to use his story to think through three simple questions. What's your spark? What's your message? And what's your why? So Acts chapter 12, beginning with verse 25. When Barnabas and and Saul, and Saul, remember, is Paul. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. 
Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. I want you to underline that. I mean, they're starting to notice who's got what spiritual gift. And they noticed there were a couple of prophets and some teachers, and, and they named them Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and, and Saul. And so while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. I want you to underline that whole thing. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. That's a great start. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. For Paul, it was that simple. Paul's salvation moment was dramatic, but, but do you remember, I mean, like, the, he was struck blind for days, but this moment of call was simply some people in a room noticing what gifts were among them and then praying until the Holy Spirit invited some of them to go out and start sharing the story. And because it was that simple for Paul, he figured it could be that simple for all of us. Just figure out your gift and then use it and, and let your gift shape your call. And sometime after this moment when they looked around the room and noticed there were prophets and teachers among them, they, they, that's what they did. They just sent them out. And so Paul would tell the Ephesians, it's just that simple. Paul writes, Ephesians chapter 4, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, and the, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. For works of what? service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the face uh, in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ especially in the pentecostal tradition they've come to call the five gifts that he's named the fivefold ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. I had never heard about the five-fold ministry gifts when I first entered ministry. In my upbringing, I found that we talked a lot about spiritual gifts when we were looking for volunteers, <laughs> but we used a business model for structuring the church. But Paul learned, maybe from this moment in Acts chapter 13, how to structure ministry spiritually, and so that's how he taught. Look around the room. See what gifts are there among the people present. And then use those gifts. Could it actually be that simple? Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Who is it who sends out Paul and Barnabas? Who sends him? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That's right. It isn't people. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. So their evangelistic mission begins with the community looking around the room to see what gifts are there, but it's the Holy Spirit who sends them off to do as God calls. So the moral of that story is don't get ahead of the Holy Spirit. Let him do the inviting. <laughs> so maybe you don't think of yourself as an apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or teacher, but that's okay. In his letter to the Corinthians Paul expands on those five gifts. He shows us there's lots of gifts within each of those categories. And so he writes, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Do you hear me? Each one of you is part of it. And in the church, 
God has appointed first of all apostles and second prophets and third teachers and then workers of miracles, but also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. So right here, Paul makes sure that we hear that there is a place for everyone to serve in the body of Christ. And it didn't even beep, and y'all did it. Look at you. Inside those main offices are all kinds of gifts and abilities provided by the Holy Spirit to us. So we can help build up the body of Christ. So when we ask, what's your spark? That's what we're asking. We're actually asking, how has God wired you personally for kingdom work? What is the Holy Spirit inviting you to do? Because he has wired you for kingdom work. I want an amen right there. He has wired you for kingdom work. Every one of us with the gift of wisdom or knowledge or faith, healing, prophecy, tongues, administration, helps, teaching. All those are mentioned in the Bible, but they aren't meant to be an exhaustive list. Whatever sounds good to you, if something sparks an interest or a passion inside, try it. And if it doesn't work, nobody dies. Nobody dies. Remember the story about old Mother Hubbard's dog? He died because nobody did anything, not because somebody tried. But I also want to say that nobody wants to see your life overloaded with busy work. That's how people get burned out and feel used, and that's not helpful to the body of Christ. So getting stuff done is not the goal. Probably you need to turn to your neighbor right now and say, getting stuff done is not the goal. Go ahead and say to somebody, getting stuff done is not the goal. Yeah. Doesn't that feel good to say that? In a world where we are already way too predisposed to spread ourselves way too thin, I need an amen there. The biblical pattern of using our gifts and calling us to something that makes our heart sing. That is very different. So when we invite you to make a life commitment on the card that you get next week, to, to give your minutes and hours and days to something, just something, one thing, the ultimate goal is not more volunteers. The ultimate goal is for you to hear the Holy Spirit calling you toward your own kingdom purpose. Yeah. That was good right there. <laughs> Do you hear the difference between volunteering and gifts and call? So the question is, how can you best use your time and energy, your spark, to welcome and advance the kingdom of God? So I want to put, think of it this way. Look at this diagram. My call is the intersection, particularly students. I want you guys to see this because I thought of you when I put this together. My call is the intersection of my gifts, which is what I'm good at or enjoy or, or I'm passionate about, and the world's need, which is that place where my gifts serve a meaningful purpose, and the gospel message, which is God's transforming truth. When those three things are all firing, when we have connected all these pieces to each other inside our own skin, then we are living our call and the kingdom is advanced. So how do you know what's yours to do? 
Well, start in the obvious place. Start with prayer. Look at the moments of your life and the places where something clicks and ask the Holy Spirit to show you where your gifts, the world's need, and the gospel message collide. But also, ask the people around you because they can see stuff. They see stuff in you you don't see in you. That's how it happened with Paul. I mean, they just looked around the room. They noticed what gifts were there, and then they called them out. So ask someone who loves you what it looks like when you are at your best. Friends, we can make it all so complicated. This business of being the people of God. Sometimes we complicate things because we're afraid of failure. And sometimes we complicate things because we're afraid of success. So to avoid the simple call, we lay out a thousand conditions. And then, like Peter in John chapter 21, we start pointing fingers. We say, what about them, Jesus? Why don't you ask them to do the hard stuff? And Jesus responds to us just like he did to Peter. Never mind them. You're the one I called. You're the one I've gifted in just the ways you're gifted. So never mind them. What about you? You need to say that to your neighbor right now. Say to them, never mind them. What about you? Yeah. So Paul and Barnabas were anointed for the work. And then they were sent out. And, you know, that was not easy work for them. I mean, they basically had to commit themselves to a life of being outside the, 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 the blessing of the authorities. But they went out. They were sent out equipped with gifts and a call and a message. And clearly, Paul's passion was that message. He wanted to share what God had done in their world. He was a Jewish man who was so excited to tell people there is a Messiah in our world. And so he was gifted in all the ways he could put all the pieces together and, and, and he could help us make sense of God's plan. And right here, we get to hear his first sermon, right here in Acts chapter 13, and so out of respect for the telling of the pure gospel, will you stand as we listen together to the gospel of Jesus Christ shared by a man who first preached it and then set it, was set on fire and sent out to share this message. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and he said, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, you are the Gentiles who worship God. Listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness. Don't you love that? <laughs> and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving the land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. And then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus. 
as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you were looking for, for there is another one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is, that, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Through, though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days, he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. And they are now witnesses to our people. So we tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus... The forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. That, friends, is the gospel of Jesus Christ for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. That was Paul's message, his passion. When he gets to the end of it, he tells them exactly what Isaiah told the Israelites. He said, it's too light a thing that we should serve only our own people, our own churches, our own salvation. It's too light a thing to think only about us and ours, to keep feeding the ones who have already been preserved. I have made you a light to the Gentiles that you might bring salvation to the ends of the earth. This message we've been given, Paul says, is not ours to do with as we want. It's ours to share with the whole world. So what gifts has God placed into your life? And what message has God given you to share with the world? And what is your why? Because motive is everything. Do we serve because we don't want to feel guilty? No, say no right there, not amen. (laughs) Do we serve because we see so many needs and feel like it's our job to fill all of them? Or do we serve from a place of purpose? Last Friday, just a couple nights ago, I got to share with supporters, staff, and students at the UGA Wesley Foundation. They're one of our mission partners. You'll meet three of their students last, uh, next Friday night. I got to tell them about the first time I ever walked into their building. The first time I ever walked into UGA Wesley, there was no one there. No one. Crazy to even think about it today. I don't even remember why I walked in. My life at at that time was generally a mess, so maybe I was looking for another option. I walked in the main entrance, and I wandered back through where now they have 40 interns serving full-time. It was empty. 
That's where Samantha Ritchie served, where Kelly Cutcliffe served. I walked back up front and I looked in the offices. There was nobody. I wandered around for a few more minutes. I looked at their bulletin board, which was full of outdated stuff. I found nothing that gave me a clue about where ministry might be happening in that building. So after walking around for a few minutes, I am finding nobody. I walked out of that building, and I never walked into another campus ministry for my entire college career. Instead, I let my faith, a faith that had been entrusted to me as a teenager, a faith that had been strong, I let it grow cold while I lived another option. That was 42 years ago. And obviously, I eventually found my faith again. But because I lived another option in college, it took 10 years for me to recover my faith. (laughs) And that is only my responsibility, only my choice. But I do have to wonder what might have happened if somebody with the gift of hospitality had met me at the door of Wesley or if someone with the gift of shepherding had invited me into their small group or someone with the gift of teaching had invited me to sit down with them and learn the Bible with them, if somebody with the gift of worship had invited me to a service, what might have been? Maybe nothing would have changed, and maybe I would have found their ministry underwhelming, or maybe my heart was so hard by then already that it wouldn't have made a difference. I don't know. But maybe I would have stuck around found friends there, non-destructive friends, in which case my college experience would have been radically different. My GPA would have been radically different. (laughs) Maybe my teenage faith would not have dwindled to nothing if I'd found home at the UGA Wesley Foundation. But that option, that day when I walked in, wasn't there to choose because nobody was there to greet me. So what I do know is that for the lack of any pressure against it, my life was kind of a disaster, my college life, kind of a disaster. And I didn't fully recover from it until I was nearly 30 years old. UGA Wesley eventually turned itself around about 33 years ago. Tom Tanner became the director. He says that on his first Wednesday night service there, there were 75 kids. And by the end of that first semester, he had successfully grown it to 40 kids. <laughs> but today, by the end of his time there, but by the end of his time there, worship became a vibrant ministry that served five to 600 students a week. Amen. Today, under the leadership of Bob Beckwith, Wesley serves anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 students every week. So I did some math between Tom and Bob. That's 33 years of faithfulness. In those 33 years, Wesley has served an average of about 1,000 students a week, sometimes more, sometimes less. Over 33 school years, that's nearly 1.2 million student contacts. At least 33,000 individual lives for Jesus. Because someone was there to greet those students 
when they first walked in to that ministry, because someone met them at the door, because someone invited them to come along with them to a worship service, because someone invited them to a Bible study, because there was somebody available for a conversation with a student when that student was having a bad day, which is pretty much all you're going to learn next Saturday morning. It's just how to be. And because of that, 33,000 students chose or kept choosing the faith in Jesus option. And that's just one of our mission partners. We have six major partners, 14 different ministries. Imagine the impact, friends. Do you know it is actually that simple? That when you give a dog a bone, they live. That when you give to somebody who's looking for faith, looking for something. Some, somebody is looking for something. And when you give what you have in your skin, you, people live. Whatever is in your skin that the Holy Spirit is inviting you to give. When you give it, people give. Mil, uh, people live. Millions of people live. Say amen. So whether you are the greeter who opens the door or the person who listens to somebody who's really struggling, or the investor who makes a recurring gift, whether you are the worship uh, on the worship team, or the children's ministry team, or you're just somebody who decides, I'm going to put on eyes to see what God sees when I walk out into the world. Never underestimate your impact. Do the things you're longing to see in this world. And do them kindly, because everybody has more fun when you do them kindly. And do them humbly. Do them humbly. Trusting that the best you can do is good enough in the kingdom of God. It really is that simple, friends. It's not brain surgery. Just do the thing that's in your skin when the situation in front of you presents itself. That's what GIC is. I want to ask you to stand. There are times when I've, I, it's just like the, the thing in me that is so hungry to see um, the lean in. It gets, it gets so, it's out there so big. Right now, it's out there really big. I want to ask you if you'd do something this morning. I want to ask you if you would get on your knees and pray for the Global Impact Celebration. All of you. All of you. Would you get on your knees? You can come down front, and you can pray down here. You can get on your knees and make your chair into an altar. If your knees can't do it, it's okay. Just, just lean in. And just pray. Pray. Jesus. Jesus, pour out over our global impact celebration. Pour out over our mission partners. Pour out over our weekend, but also over our system. And pour out over us. 
God, pour out over us. Holy Spirit, speak. Speak. There are evangelists in this room, teachers in this room, helpers in this room, administrators in this room, prophets in this room, good shepherds in this room. There are musicians in this room. And there are people who know how to love children in this room. Holy Spirit, speak. 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 Like a wildfire, Holy Spirit. Yeah. 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 Set us on fire. Set us on fire. Set us on fire. Speak. Amen. <laughs> Chris is going to come. Y'all stay right where you are. You can, you can stay where you are. Chris is going to come and sing a song that brings all of this home. It's a, it's a if, if the rocks can do this, and if the wind can do this, if the trees can give glory to God, then certainly so, so can I. Not just so can I, but so will I. If you're praying, continue to pray. If you want to worship, please stand. Let's make this our prayer and our hope and our promise. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, We'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.